Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perrone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perrone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Bernie Pellegrino and Michael Saffer. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you, Tom. You're you're quite welcome. And I have to tell you, it's my privilege uh, to really learn more about the Pellegrino Law Firm, seeing that over the years, I've spent a lot of time down there working with you guys. And uh, so I'm very excited to do this. But first, before I get into it, I'm going to just tell the audience a little bit about both of you, and then we'll go into our, our historic questions. And uh, Bernie A. Pellegrino, partner. He concentrates in zoning and environmental law, real estate development, condominium law, and administrative law. He received his undergraduate degree from the University of Notre Dame and his law degree from University of Connecticut School. Um, Bernie, anybody who is involved and has been for years around New Haven would consider Bernie Pellegrino one of the best zoning attorneys around. He knows he knows more than some people forget. Um, so, um, and Michael D. Saffer, a partner, is occupied in all the matters relating to taxation, estate planning, wills, trusts, pensions profit-sharing plans, deferred compensation, stock, charitable corporations, and business partnerships. And he holds a BS degree from the Wharton School of Finance, a master's of law degree in taxation from New York University, a master of law degree from the University of Leeds School of Law in Leeds, England, and a law degree from Boston's New England School of Law and was admitted to the practice in Massachusetts in 1965 and in Connecticut in 1972. Um, Gentlemen, again, welcome. Michael, the interesting thing about your bio here is uh, anybody who's done work with you, uh, if they knew the background of your education Uh, and related to how you communicate very complicated tax issues to simple straw man diagrams. Um, It's quite an experience with the way you keep things very simple so people can understand. I don't know where you went to school for that, but it was good, Michael. Well, you know, remember uh, in this, uh, in full disclosure, many of my clients have worked with Michael and the firm, and I've been the recipient of um, and the beneficiary of very goodwill, goodwill, because my clients always come back and say, gee, he made it so I understand what I'm doing. And that's a great talent. So 
I want to start talking about uh, the firm itself, Bernie. So I'm going to pose this question. Tell us when it was formed. Uh, the firm, um, well, the firm was formed by my father back in 1929, which means it's 92 years old. Uh, back then, there were very few law firms. Most lawyers practiced by themselves, as did my dad. And then I joined him in 1961, and my brother joined in 1963, and then non-family members joined, and all of a sudden, it became the Pellegrino Law Firm. And as the family changed, so probably the dynamics and the specialization of the firm, I would think. Well, from the, from the beginning, we felt we should be a firm that practiced in many different areas. And we should have a lawyer specializing in each of these areas. And so we grew uh, both in number as well as areas of practice. And today we practice almost all areas of the law and with what I think are very capable people in each of the areas. And uh, when your dad started the firm, um, obviously, I've, I've read about him really helping a lot of the immigrants, and he was kind of a champion of the Italian an uh, uh, ancestry, uh, but that didn't preclude him from working with all types of people, did it? Not at all. No, we, uh, we represent many different people, uh, gone far beyond uh, the law firm that uh, focuses on Italian immigrants. And when your dad started the firm, Bernie, did he spend his time in a lot of different areas or did he just work in one area of law to help people? My dad was a student of the, of the law. Uh, he, as, he was a graduate of Yale undergrad as well as Yale Law School. And what he enjoyed most was writing agreements. And he was a master at it. And he represented many large corporations that had complex legal issues in their business. And that was what he loved and did it well. Michael tells me the story of your dad spending Saturdays at the Yale Law School library. He loved to study. He was quite a student of law, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And when when you joined the firm, were you did you jump right into zoning or did that progress as you became a better attorney? It was a love of architecture that drew me to the field of zoning and in buildings and developments and architects and engineers. Uh, and uh, I loved it. Uh, 
but uh, no, it was not immediate. It took it took many years to uh, establish myself in that that area of law. Which you are well known. Your reputation in that area is is, is well known, especially in the Haven area. Um, and and when Joe, your brother, came in in 1963, what was his specialty? His specialty was trials. Trials. Yeah. Joe loved to loved to be in in the court, and um, and uh, he did our court work, our trial work, and as you know, he. Uh, left the firm and became a judge and eventually became chief court administrator, which meant he was in charge of the entire judicial system for the state of Connecticut. And is he still a judge? He is still a judge and he still hears cases, uh, not on a full schedule, but maybe two or three times a week. Perfect. Perfect. And you have history of other family members joining the firm. Kind of give us a, an update on that. Well, Joe's son, uh, also named Bernie, uh, joined the firm several years ago. And my daughter, Frances, uh, became a member of the firm and remains a member of the firm. And her field is... Uh, domestic and um, Bernie Jr. and we call him Bernie Jr. to try to distinguish between he and I. He took over the practice of of zoning and real estate and land development. Michael, um, you have a, a very long history with this firm. Can you explain your experience you've had with the firm? from the inception and when you came? Yeah, I came in nine, came to the firm in 1973 uh, from practicing a short period of time in Boston, short period of time being about five years. And it was a dramatic change from big city to smaller city practice, but I was surprised how uh, sophisticated the practice was even in 1973, as far as, as Bernie said, representing small uh, to medium-sized family businesses and doing a lot of corporate uh, work uh, and uh, representing, uh, I believe, uh, Plasticry Corporation, which was on the stock exchange, uh, a very large uh, corporate client uh, which we did quite quite a good job in representing despite the size of our firm. So uh, I came here uh, after being at NYU Law School and getting a Master of Laws in Taxation. And the type of work I started doing is working with Bernie's dad, doing a lot of corporate work, corporate disillusions, mergers, uh, acquisitions, and on one hand, and on the other hand, uh, maybe 50% or 60% of the time doing estate planning and probate. And when you came in, I, I, I hear the story is that you had to change your name to Safra Tucci? No, Safra, <laughs> Safaroni. Safaroni, that's right. <laughs> so 
Um, again, let's talk a little bit about how diverse this firm is, because it really is. I mean, we laugh about uh, all the Italian names and vowels being thrown around, but tell us about the diversity of this firm and clients and attorneys. Well, going back to when I came to the firm, I was very surprised that the clientele uh, were from all different uh, backgrounds and communities, and uh, uh, which was surprising. And, and at the time, doing estate planning, I had to deal with a lot of banks, uh, trust departments uh, in those days, and uh, they were a uh, constant source of referrals. And uh, a lot of the clients that they sent to the firm were of very different backgrounds uh, from each other. And uh, so uh, from a firm aspect, uh, we have people from different backgrounds as well. Uh, so that uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very diversified firm and it's a very extremely diversified clientele. Yeah, very much so. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is, um, when people think of the Pellegrino Law Firm, they not only think about the quality that they get, but that building that you're in today um, is uh, almost iconic for the firm. I guess it is iconic, but that was quite a change in 1970 because up to that point, you your firm was always around the courthouse. So now you moved a mile down the road. So how was what was that like? Well, I think it was one of the best things we ever did. Uh, when we first started, lawyers felt they had to be near the courthouse so that they could walk to court with their clients. Uh, and we felt it was more important to have a, a building, a law firm in an area where that was convenient for clients to park. So we we probably were the first law firm to move out of the center of the city and still stay in New Haven, but have a building with a parking lot, which has been great for clients. So we're very happy with the move. And I think our clients are also happy. And, and the building is ex uh, very unique. I know Michael has told me about the history of it. Um, and that was a building that was uh, built in 1896, from what I gather. Correct. Now, a good question, Bernie. Would, how did your father um, think about moving away? He'd been in near that courthouse for 40-something years, and now he's moving out. What was his take on it? His take was he was very scared. Yeah. And uh, he insisted that we interview no less than five clients, bring them to the property before we bought it, and ask them their opinion. All five were enthusiastic about buying it, and that sold my dad. Hmm. Yeah, the the acid test, huh? Um, right. But it's a beautiful building, and it was a three three stories. Well, it's actually four. It is four. Yeah. Yeah. 
that that uh, there's a story about the fourth floor and, and a wedding or a family or something like that. Mike, will you tell me about that fourth floor? Well, I think the the original owner's daughter was getting married, and that may have had a definite impact on what the top floor of the building looked like. It had uh, like a platform where a small combo could could play music to entertain guests. And I believe the wedding uh, party was there. Uh, Bernie would know more about that than I would. Yes, the top, top floor uh, we called uh, the ballroom and it was used for major entertainment of the owners uh, and their guests. Uh, we used to use it for a library, but books have been replaced by computers. And so we now use it for a gathering of people. Well, it, it is a unique building and a beautiful one. Um, it's great. It always, it's always comfortable going in there with clients. I have to tell you that it's a very interesting and comfortable building. Uh, Michael, um, Walk me through how clients come to the firm from the beginning to the end when you do estate planning for them and take your time and go through the process with us so we can understand it. Well, clients end up coming to us from a number of, from a number of sources, from people who are financial planners with your background or people who uh, are in bank administration, trust administration, state administration, from CPAs who uh, have clients who they feel that they have to uh, help them plan for a succession of who is the next generation or who is going to be the next uh, uh, manager of the uh, uh, business. So that, uh, and, and of course, like uh, many people coming to to all of us in this firm by word of mouth, fortunately by clients who have been uh, happy with the work that we've done and volunteer to recommend us to, to their friends and other people. So that's the incoming source. And as far as uh, someone coming in for an estate plan, we usually, uh, I shouldn't say usually, we always send them uh, an estate planning summary sheet, which is a, uh, a sheet that provides some basic information for them to fill out and lists assets as far as husband, wife, and joint, and also death benefits like life insurance, annuities, retirement plans, IRAs, and the like. So that when they come in, a lot of people have a misconception of what a will or what a trust can accomplish. And uh, by looking at how assets pass by way of beneficiary designation, uh, making sure beneficiary designations are proper tax-wise and in keeping with the client's wishes, we sort of coordinate those assets that pass by way of will and trust and those that pass outside of the estate plan, an example being life insurance or IRAs. And we have an initial meeting that uh, once the client has filled in their estate planning summary sheet, we go over it with them, get their thoughts as far as what their wishes are, 
make recommendations to them based upon potential tax exposure or potential liability exposure, suability. And then we come up with a game plan, uh, an outline of what documents that they would feel or we would feel together suitable for their circumstances. And at that point in time, at that first meeting, we end up quoting them a legal fee as far as what it would cost them for us to do the work they, they, they have chosen us to do. And uh, if they don't like us, or they don't like me, or they don't like the fee, that first meeting is a free personal uh, one to two hour uh, estate plan geared to the individual. And then we proceed after that, we send drafts out to the clients, they review them, we discuss changes, and ultimately they come in and sign their documents uh, to put in place the protection that they, they want and that we've provided for them. And Tom, in, the, in my field of real estate development, uh, I also receive clients based on referrals, referrals from realtors, referrals from architects, engineers, town planners, um, and referrals for business throughout the state. I've, we've worked not in every town or city in the state of Connecticut, but most of them. And we've done work such as large subdivisions of over 1,000 lots in Goshen, Connecticut, to land development for a large corporation that required traveling in helicopters to look at sites and analyze sites and provide clients with detailed summaries of the pros and cons for development. Then, of course, we also have been referred by many developers, both in the state and out of the state, for work within Connecticut. And in full disclosure, having worked with your firm for many years, I can tell you, you make it easy to work with the Pellegrino Law Firm for a lot of reasons. Uh, Michael, you, you do a great job educating people without any expectations. You, they get an hour to two hours of one of the best estate planning education they ever got. And secondly, your staff is second to none. You've, you've got the best people. Uh, we all feel so comfortable walking through those doors. Sometimes I feel like I'm coming to church with the holy water on the side, Bernie. I got to tell you that, but it's beautiful. And so besides having great attorneys, you have great staff. And I just want to uh, make that known to the people listening. Um, we offer... We offer confessions on Thursday night. <laughs> well, that's where I'd spend a lot more time, Bernie. So I'm going to pass on that one. That could be a pro problematic for me. But um, so here's a question, because, again, I've been around a long time watching your attorneys and they come to Pellegrino Law Firm and they stay there 
what are those elements that you feel that uh, the firm gives them for them to want to stay and find a home? I think we have a, a good mix of work and play. We uh, require that our lawyers uh, do whatever is necessary to provide the best quality of service to the client. But we also insist that our lawyers spend time with their family outside of the office and even enjoy the company of others in the office, which, which requires that we have many parties for various reasons to enjoy each other, other's company. To come to this building, to come to this office, we would like to give the client a very relaxed atmosphere of quality people that are uh, comfortable in dealing with the clients in, in a very informal but personal way. And, and it shows immediately, I have to tell you. Um, you, you do a great job hiring good people. Uh, Bernie, you have a ton of grandchildren that you spend a lot of time with and love dearly. Are any of them on deck to become an attorney to come into the firm? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, well, maybe there's a surprise somewhere, but you do have a whole crew there. I think 17, you told me. Correct. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a lot of people. Um, I, hate to, I hate to be the person buying Christmas gifts, that's for sure, in your family, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's a bill in itself. Uh, I, I'd like to, from both of you, and you, uh, I'd like to know what advice would you give an attorney coming to a small family practice like the Pellegrino Law Firm? What's the advice you would give to them? I would, I would advise them to be mindful of the fact that when they're working in a small community as opposed to New York City or Boston or LA, that the work is not going to be handed out to them automatically by the law firm. They have to have a commitment to their local community to be community active. And that's one of the ethics of our firm that, that we feel that the lawyers in this firm, if they're going to be here, they have to uh, give back to the community. They have to commit. And it's a two-sided coin. By committing to the community, being active in charitable organizations or boards or other volunteer work, they are going to meet people and they're going to get known in the community. But it's, it's a benefit for the firm and it's a benefit for the, the lawyers as, as developing human beings. So I, that would be the major thing that I could think of off, off the cuff. Bernie, how about you? Uh, I, I agree with Mike. Uh, our firm has regular meetings uh, with lawyers. We have lunch together approximately uh, every other week in our law firm to talk to each other, to keep abreast of what each of us is doing. 
And we insist that all of our lawyers be active in the community, whether it be the Boy Scouts, whether it be a coach of the girls' soccer team, whether it be the church or the chamber or the Knights of Columbus, it doesn't really matter. But we insist that all lawyers in this firm be active in the community. And it works. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I, as I, I could have taken another five minutes from both of you and listed all of the things that you have both been either the president of, involved with. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And I would run out of time because you guys just don't talk. You walk the talk. And, um, and I, you know, when you say that, I think about uh, young Ber Bernie, I call him Bernie Jr., being the president of the um, Walter Camp. That's quite a, that in itself is quite a commitment. Yes. Yeah. They're all commitments. They are. They are. And uh, very civic minded. And that I think that goes a long way in why we have such good quality people in your firm, because they really care about other people, their clients and the community. And I think it's great. So moving on, here we are about 50 years later from your initial um, start in the law field. Let me ask you something. How has the discipline in law changed for each of you over the last number of years, if at all? I'll try. Uh, a lot. Major. Um, forget about COVID, which has brought in, uh, another dimension to this change. Uh, the change has been one of specialty. Uh, years ago, my father and, and most lawyers, as I said in the beginning, practiced solo and did everything. Uh, they went to court to uh, represent someone on a criminal matter and followed by representing a corporation on a merger matter. And uh, today, that's not the case. Uh, today, uh, like so many other professions, our profession has become specialized. Uh, we have lawyers that do nothing but estate work. We have lawyers who do nothing but criminal work. We have lawyers who do nothing but corporate work. And so it's difficult for a solo, single person to practice law today and know everything about every field, which is why we now have firms, which is why we operate as a firm, which is why we have lawyers who specialize in various matters, meaning they take courses to improve their knowledge and uh, it works. So we have had major changes like so many other professions. Yeah, like and you're absolutely right. Uh, whoever thought 50 years ago that you could be a left-handed pitcher and, and strike out one batter and make 10 million a year, right? Uh, yeah, that's, right. that's kind of what's happening in many fields. And um, Michael, how about you? Well, I, I, I agree with what, what Bernie uh, has said. That's, that's really a, 
an excellent overview of what's happened to the field and the practice of law. And if what's interesting is there are some firms out there that look like firms, but really are solo practitioners sharing space and overhead together. And the difference between a real firm like ours is if someone comes in the door to see one particular attorney, that attorney will make a determination as to the nature of the work to be done and which attorney or attorneys in the law firm are best uh, best fit for that particular client's uh, needs and matters. And so a client may come in uh, having been referred to a lawyer in our firm, but they will end up with the lawyer who has the knowledge and specialization in the field to best handle the matter. Which is very uh, comforting for the client to know they're getting the person that, that knows and specializes in one area, their pain point, which I think is great. And you're absolutely right, Michael. All the work I've done over the years, I've run into firms that uh, they rent space to each other and they kind of look like a firm, but they don't call themselves a firm. And sometimes you get patchwork, and um, but not in your firm. I, I realize the, the professionalism you have. So I do have a question because most, most of our clients will always ask this, and I'm sure people would like to know, um, how are people billed for their legal work in your firm, Michael? I would say that it depends upon the nature of the matter. For example, if it's an estate plan, we do have a feel for how much time it's going to take given our prior experiences in, in preparing documents. Uh, so, sometimes you end up quoting a fee so that the client is comfortable and knows in advance that there's no surprises. And that client may be somebody who continually wants to make many, many changes. And we stick to what we've quoted in that situation, despite the fact that that particular matter might end up being a loss leader. There are other matters that are open-ended. Uh, in, in my field, one, one major area is probate and administration of wills and trusts and that kind of stuff. And you don't know what the total amount of work is going to be. It depends upon how things go. And a lot of times initially, you really don't have a full handle on what assets are, and issues are involved. So long story short, those type of matters, we have a legal fee agreement based on uh, an hourly fee uh, and uh, having detailed uh, reports as we're going along as far as where we are and what the fee is at that point in time. I, I like, uh, I like uh, what you said about no surprises because in my 51 years of practice, I can't tell you how many people uh, were surprised what their attorney charged them and I, and I know you have always, your firm has always been up front with that. Um, and there's no surprises. It's a good thing. 
And another good thing is something that's not talked about a lot, but I want to talk about the standards of legal expertise in ethics and how it's uh, followed in your firm. I'd like to I'd like to to comment on on that uh, uh, because I'm 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 going to be speaking about Bernie's father, the founder of our firm. He set a very high academic standard for us and a very high standard as far as the quality of work uh, that lawyers are doing in this firm and the pride they take in the in the work they're doing and. Another factor that is really important uh, to him from the inception of this firm and to us all here today, and that is ethics uh, and honor and duty to our clients. And so uh, he set a very high bar for all of us, which I'm glad that we are still able to follow to this day. Uh, well, it, it shows. And Michael, I know you get a, awarded every year for about the last million years, a, a wonderful award of ethics and um, professionalism. I'm not sure I know the name of it, but I know you get this every year. What's the name it of is, that? <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, the rating the national rating uh, organization is called Martindale and Hubble. Right. And it isn't just me. Uh, the modest person who's sitting beside me also has uh, always, uh, every year, been given the highest rating for ethics and the highest rating for professional uh, ability and skill. Uh, you know, that kind of gives it the bottom line of why the Pellegrino Law Firm is uh, a standout, iconic law firm in the area of New Haven in Connecticut. And uh, I have to tell you, uh, again, after working with you for so many years, that it's you've made my life and my client's life so much easier. Um, but before we go... Uh, I'd like to ask, what is the best way of people reaching uh, the firm? Either uh, I'll put the email and website in the show notes, but is it basically just picking up the phone and calling and setting up appointment? I think we're very easy to reach. And uh, I'm going to turn off my phone so that it's not interfering with this hey bernie somebody's calling you already for crying out loud right that's, that's not a train <laughs> uh, we we still have a receptionist yes uh, we still have a person who answers the phone as opposed to a recording we still talk to the client we still refer the client to a lawyer, we still greet the client that walks into the building with a receptionist. Uh, we're very proud of that. And not every law firm has that. So I think we're very easy to reach. Just call us, 787-2225-203-787-2225. And if you wish, 
come walk in the building without an appointment. We will provide you with a very good cup of coffee. And if we have the time, we'll take you for a tour of one of the loveliest buildings in Connecticut. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, if nothing more, uh, ask Michael or Bernie about a cup of espresso, whatever, because it's a great machine in the back. Guys, you have been great, and I've I've loved listening more about the historic part of the Pellegrino Law Firm. And I want to thank you once again for participating in this podcast. Um, We thank you. Thank you, Tom, for putting this together. What a what a pleasure. Well, it's going to be a great recording. Um, so thank you very much and Merry Christmas. And happy Hanukkah, Mike. Thank you, Tom, and a very happy and healthy new year. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.